Hi, everyone. Um, we pre-recorded this episode a few months ago. We just wanted to make that clear uh, before you listen to it. We will address everything that's going on. We did take the time to think of how we would like to address it and um, what we want to put out there since it is important to us that the podcast is not political in any way and only talks about Judaism and different kinds of Jews and how every Jew Jews in their own way. Um, So please bear with us. These are hard times for us as well. And we just hope you enjoyed this episode. We love you. How do you do podcast? I'm Samantha Vinicor-Meinrat. And I'm Yael Haruti. Hey, Sam. Hey, Yael. How's it going? It's good. How was your week? Um, my week was good. I just had a really awkward encounter at Whole Foods that I wasn't actually part of, but I got to watch other people be awkward, and usually I'm at the center of it, so it was exciting. So what was the awkward encounter? Oh, that, that would make sense to say. <laughs> so I was the third person online. Um, to check out. And then this person directly in front of me was wearing scrubs, like medical scrubs, you know, pants. And then the person in front of them was like so nice and turns around and says, I want to pay for that person's um, food too. Like I, you know, just want to have so much respect for everyone who's working in the medical field right now. And I want to pay for your groceries. And the guy in the scrub says, no, no, no. Like, please don't. You don't have to. And the first one was like, no, I really want to. Um, and I was like, oh, that's so nice. And like, that's so sweet. So sweet. So they go back and forth. And then the guy in the scrubs finally says like, sir, I have to be honest with you. Um, my partner is like a dental hygienist. And these were the only pants that I could find in the house. Oh my God. <laughs> relatively normally. Oh my god, I love this. You see how during these like pandemic time people are trying to thank people. It was so nice. It was just like, oh my god. It was amazing. And then do you do you think that person that was trying to do the good deed would ever do a good deed after that? I hope so. (laughs) So what I wound up saying was we've all been there because Oh, you you said that to them? I said that just kind of in passing. Nobody asked what I meant by that, but I'll tell you. Okay. So several years ago, we went to um, Illinois for my brother's college graduation. And he had a friend who he had told us was a veteran. Um, And we met up with the friend at a bar. And my dad really kind of like thanked this guy for his service and bought a round of drinks. As it turns out, my brother had misunderstood and this guy was not a veteran, (laughs) but um, we brought like a round for everyone out of like thanking him for his service. So more than most people, like I actually do completely understand the situation. Just this guy like hadn't told us that he wasn't a veteran until afterwards. I don't think he really- Just let you buy buy I don't think he fully understood what was happening because he seemed confused by the whole interaction but I was like I just it gave me so much warmth at Whole Foods to be like 
everyone is just living their best lives. Like the first guy just wanted to like do a mitzvah and like thank somebody else. The second guy didn't let him and like was honest and just anyone who's like rocking somebody else's pants. I was also just like, <laughs> I, like I love everybody here. And it was Whole Foods, so everyone's like yuppie yet happy anyway. So it was just a lovely uh, exchange to participate in. That's a, that's a, <laughs> I can't believe it. It was amazing. Great story. Thank you. I wish my week was so eventful. There's a lot of feelings happening today, but we are so excited to welcome you to another episode of the How Do You Do podcast. Our official topic is about hosting. Um, both pre and post COVID, what it means for us to host Jewishly, inviting people into our homes, our top tips for um, hosting and how we can create these dynamics again, both hopefully once that's a thing again and in the in-between times as well. I think we both also really like to host. We do. So I think this is like something that we can both weigh on a lot. Like we both will have a lot a lot of things to say about this. Yes, love hosting, yeah. love talking about hosting, love, I don't know that I really have such profound hosting advice to give, but I love giving it anyway. You know, I don't know if I know many people around our ages that host as much as we do. That's true. I. Why? Well, I think that that comes from just like having grown up in a family that hosted. That's true, like, that's true, yes. That I feel like I, it was not something that was like intimidating to me. And where I really learned how to be a host. So I used to live in a Moisha house. Um, for listeners who are not familiar with Moisha House, it is a um, nonprofit organization based in the States, but really all around the world that brings together groups of young Jewish professionals in their 20s and 30s to live together in either a house or an apartment. Um, and you get like a stipend for living there in exchange for opening your home and hosting events for fellow 20 and 30 somethings in the Jewish community. And I lived in a Moisha house um, as like my first really post-college, post-parents house apartment in New Jersey. And as part of that, me and my two roommates, we were responsible for feeding all these people. Like, cause they would come for Shabbat dinner and it always had to have a theme because we're extra like that. So whether it was sushi Shabbat or one time we all went to um, the Poconos, we rented like a ski house over Christmas cause Jews Christmas. Um, so we- Isn't it all about Chinese food? We, we had Chinese food, don't worry. <laughs> um, so we rented a ski house for like four days. So I really learned how, not to necessarily cook well, but how to welcome people into my home I don't think I was a good cook at that point, but I could welcome people in and I could host a lot of people. So I think then when I like grew up a little bit more and like was ready to open my home to like my friends and like specific people, I had already basically like run a fraternity house at that point. <laughs> Is that where you, where you experienced it for the first time or where you learned it? Cause I would say that you would learn it from your mom. I think I learned just just knowing value. You, just knowing your parents, right. and knowing no, how I definitely they are. learned the value of opening the home from my mom, and de definitely from both my parents, the value of like there is always room for somebody else around the table. Oh, my mom says and that too. There's always room for one more. Every time I ask, Absolutely. can I bring whoever needs, such and such for dinner? And she's like, there's always room for one more. Right. No, whoever needs a place. So like, my, I mean, my parents' house became 
for like my sister's friends because my sister went to college in Manhattan. So like 40 minutes from my parents' house and most of her friends were from far away. They were from California, they were from wherever. So if they couldn't go home for holidays, like my parents' house became at our Seder, there'd be like a table of eight of just Rory's college friends, like whoever that she kind so of brought sweet. home that at any so moment. Sweet. So I think there, I definitely learned the value of like the, the process of opening your home, but it, it was in the Moisha house that I learned how to cook for a crowd because my mom has the best food ever. The vast majority of it, when it came to like the big holidays, was from Andy the Butcher, shout out, um, that my mom is a wonderful cook. She can make soup, she can make her Shabbat chicken. She is the balabusta. Um, but I think like in the Moisha house was where I figured out okay, there are 20 people coming. How do I cook for that amount without like having a stroke? Um, I think was, was the like art of hosting in just a different way. But what about you? It sounds like your mom also was like a welcomer. Yes, my mom always, we, well, I mean, living in Israel, it's not always that we hosted because mm -hmm. it was sort of, she had this like group of friends um, mostly actually American. Yes. <laughs> um, that, that we either hosted or, or we were invited over to their houses. Like she hosted a lot. Um, I think she had, she had these like certain holidays that were her holidays. Mm -hmm. For instance, Sukkot. Mm -hmm. It was always at my mom's house. Yeah. Always, always. Like we knew it was always at her house. Also Shavuot, mm -hmm. always at my mom's house. Um, and then there were holidays that she would always be invited to. So for instance, Passover, because I would usually spend it with my dad's mm -hmm. family. So, and then Shabbat dinners, it was just, you know, I think like once every two, three weeks she would host. Yeah. And every time it was like a different group of friends. That's so fun. I mean, it was all from the same like circle of friends, but every time it was someone else. Cause, and they would just host each other. It was just... That's it, so sweet. Yeah, I love was, that kind of community. It was a great community. She, my mom chose a, a perfect place to live um, because there were a lot of... It was a lot of Americans in the mm -hmm. community. And I think my mom felt more comfortable with that since you know she did move from san francisco to from the san francisco area i should say to um israel and so she found this perfect suburb where awesome. she had a lot of american friends yeah that's awesome so there was like a community to to host and be hosted by because that's we could do a whole other episode on like the art of being a good guest oh yeah um oh yeah so but yeah typically come. she would host I like typically it would start out with like 10 people at the table and then it would I don't know how somehow by the like weekend it grew to like 19 my mom was like I don't know uh, where am I gonna sit everyone and then we would start like thinking about the tables and folding chairs and whatever and somehow you will just make it work every time and from year to year our sukkah just grew absolutely <laughs> best oh, I love it all right so what do you think is Jewish about hosting people like obviously people of every faith host one yes. another but like what makes hosting a Jewish act so I mean I'm sure you probably have a lot to say about this because it does have to do with the Talmud but everything does guys <laughs> it's all there but this is I mean actually it is 
Very, it, okay, yes, you said something true about how it is in every culture, there is something about hosting, but it's actually one of, it's a mitzvah mm-hmm. to host. So yeah. in Hebrew, it's called achnasat orchim, and um, I do not remember the word Hospitality. For this Thank you. Got you. Um, so it's, it's, it's a mitzvah, it's one of the mitzvahs to actually do mm-hmm. that, and it is mentioned um, twice in the twice that I know of excuse mm-hmm. me in the Bible mm-hmm. once with Abraham mm-hmm. and once with Lot mm-hmm. um, it's probably mentioned way more than that those are iconic mentions okay yeah. you're mean, good you're good I'm sure it's mentioned way more than that and there is so again it, this is from the Talmud and that's why I knew that you were gonna have something to say about it it's called oh, I can can I say it in Hebrew I would be honored okay G'dolach nasat orchim mekabelet pnei shechina so that's that's from the Talmud talking about um, hospitality. hospitality. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I'm sure you have way more to say about this. But I do want to say some like one other thing: Moroccan Jews on the Mimuna, oh. which is the end of um, Passover. So the right when Passover ends, that when that's when the Mimuna starts. And well, we can I can talk hours about the Mimuna. I love it. And whoever it interests should go in and read about the Mimuna. It's what Moroccan Jews do at the end of Passover, like I've said like three times already. Make a Moroccan friend and get an invite is my top tip for everyone. <laughs> so I actually do a Mimuna every year. I am not Moroccan, but my one of my sister-in-laws is Moroccan. And we would just do it every year. Because I'm a pastry chef, I would do so much of it. I would do actually most of it. And she would only do the mufleta. So last year, last Mimuna, excuse me, which was... Um, I guess two years ago? No, le- le- I mean... Oh, we like, just did it still it. happen? No, it oh. was just me and Dan at home. It was a very sad Mimuna, but I still did it. Absolutely. Um, because we needed to have at least a little bit of taste. Anyways, the tradition around the Mimuna is that the house is open and what the tradition is, is going from house to house. So in Israel, actually, I would go from one Mimuna to another until I started hosting it myself. But from one Mimuna to another, you just do house hopping. And that's the most hospitality I've ever seen. I love that. Like the Jews do. And that's actually Moroccan. It's a Jewish Moroccan tradition. I love it. Sounds like the pre-COVID dream. I know, right? (laughs) Now I'm like, oh my God. But pre-COVID sounds amazing. Okay, but I'm sure you have so much to say about this. No, I just... So what's Jewish to you about hosting? So I want to echo and raise up what you said specifically about... I I was really proud of myself. I'm so proud of you. I'm always proud of you. I never do. (laughs) I never talk like that, like that much, like about Judaism, like Talmud and stuff, but I was very proud of myself. You got this. I actually knew it was a mitzvah. (laughs) It is. It's amazing. I'm so proud of you. Shout out to you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, But no, I want to raise up what you said specifically about Avraham. And um, as being really the original host, the um, beginning, towards the beginning of Avraham's story, Abraham's story in the book of Breshit, the book of Genesis, we are told that he had his tent open on all four sides. So that way, if a potential guest, a stranger, a friend, anyone was coming from any direction, he could run out to greet them. And I think that's something that I really strive to embody when I host, is that 
I am so into this. I'm so excited to welcome people into my home. I never wanted to just be like, oh, hey, you're here, like, cool. Um, I want to run out and greet everyone. In a pre-COVID world, everyone got hugs. Um, and make people feel, make people so feel comfortable. So I think that. And then also there are so many rituals in Judaism that are meant for a group activity. Um, there's, I mean, in prayer, that there are certain prayers that we can't say without a minyan, without a quorum of 10 people. I thought about that. But also with different holidays, with the Passover Seder in particular, where we're told to invite a stranger. We're specifically told to invite people that we wouldn't normally to come and dine with us and learn with us and be part of like these family experiences. That to me, I feel like says so much about being open, being warm, making sure that everyone has a place to go. Um, I remember like one of the synagogues here in Cleveland that I just fell in love with when we went there on Yom Kippur, the first year that we lived here, um, they, like an announcement was made from the Bima. These are the people who have a opening or openings at their homes for breakfast. And if you don't have somewhere to go and like all these people stood up, like go talk to one of them and they would love to have you in their home. That is and so sweet. Like, so nice. This is what I love about the Jewish community. It's always so welcoming. Yeah. I actually have a story to tell about that. I love stories. Okay, so I grew up in Omer. It's a small suburb next to Be'er Sheva. And my parents got divorced when I was six years old. Right. So my mom, all of a sudden, from like having Shabbat dinners with my dad mm -hmm. and, I don't know, people that we were in, we would invite, but we always had like us, you know, yeah. the family. She went into like, wait, I'm alone, oh. sort of thing. I love your mom. <laughs> so and she, and every once in a while we would get invited mm -hmm. and whatever, and or she would host. But at the beginning, beginning, um, we we belonged to a temple, mm -hmm. and we would go every Friday to services. And one time it was right when my parents got divorced. Um, this woman, her name is Margalit, and she's amazing, um, asked my mom, do you have anywhere to go for Shabbat dinner? And my mom said, I mean, I cooked for us, and we're going to go home. And she said, what, just the two of you? And my mom said, yes. And she said, nope, no way you are coming over to my house. That's so and we seriously, just from Temple, went over to her house. That's she just so invited sad. us just like that, no preparations. But she was also, you know, with that thought, there's always room for one more. Yeah. And ever since, she made sure me and my mom had a place to go. I'm choking up. Oh, my God. Up, that's beautiful. It was. And until this day, we're in touch with her. They had her and her husband, Benji, shout out to Margalit and Benji Goldfarb. They, they live in Minneapolis now. They moved back to the States. Oh, gosh, should we go visit them on location? Yes, I okay. love them. And uh, they adopted me like my grandparents. Mm -hmm. They acted as my grandparents for years. That's like beautiful. For birthdays, they would take me out to, rest, to a restaurant, just me, not mom. It was me and them on a date. And they acted as my grandparents because my mom, her parents lived in, well, they lived in the States, and then I think when my parents got divorced, um, I'm pretty sure my grandpa wasn't alive anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were, I mean, my grandma was in San Francisco, and it was, it's a long story, right. but... 
but it shows that hosting like it creates it creates a relationship yes. and I feel like for so many people and I think especially millennials like peers of ours there's so much fear about it being awkward to invite people over and I think people are so craving invitations for whatever it is like if you're not a cook and you're not gonna make a dinner and you want to have s'mores if you want to invite people for you know a drink if you literally feed people sandwiches I think just the art of inviting someone and opening your home and making people feel like included is just the biggest gift that we can give each other is to open our homes when we can safely do so it literally changed my life like having her adopt us quotes you know quote unquote but having her adopt us into their family Mm -hmm. was i think the most amazing thing she could have done for us and it really changed our lives i have to say we are still in touch till this day and we were like family and all of their kids lived here in the states Mm -hmm. so they eventually moved back And then, you know, now, now you followed. Who knew? <laughs> but, but yeah, she's, and I just, we just talked about them the other day because I told my mom, maybe when pandemic ends, you know, we can have them over. And she said, I don't know if they can travel. I said, well, they have to, because <laughs> like, yeah. they have to come no here. No one was asking. You're, you must come. I just mean, like they didn't give you a choice. You had to go to <laughs> dinner with them. I mean, they are older now. And, and so maybe you'll go there. That's a that's a definite thing. Okay. I mean that that for sure will happen. I would just I also want I sort of want to like repay. Yeah, that's so nice. Oh, all right. Well, speaking of like just repaying, so to speak, we talked about Mimuna. We talked about Shabbat dinners. What is your favorite holiday to host? So other than Mimuna, <laughs> yes. Okay, so I love Shavuot, and I've, I think. I think anyone who listens to the podcast can understand that. I absolutely love that holiday. In Israel, it is called the pastry chef's holiday. Like, it's And you're the pastry chef. That's a, that's a nickname for the holiday. And all pastry chefs thrive during that holiday. I love it. Um, just because you can make everything. Yeah. Like, all these quiches and desserts. And there's a, it's a never-ending thing. Not that you can't make everything on other holidays. It's just that everything is dairy. And yes, I know it's a lactose intolerant problem. Blah, blah, blah. I don't care. I love this holiday. Take your pills before you eat it. <laughs> or just accept your fate. It's fine. I do... Which is weird because when I was little, I didn't think... Um, that there was anything to eat during this holiday, and I am talking about Passover. Yep, you guessed it. But I love cooking for Passover mm-hmm. dinner, mm-hmm. which is weird because I'm always like afraid there's not going to be enough food. Well, that's like the always fear of a Jewish mom. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, there's not going to be enough food because there's nothing kosher for Passover. What are we going to eat? And then I freak out, and then there's a ton of food on the table. So I love cooking for Passover, um, especially because it's usually done with family. Mm-hmm. Like, other holidays can be done with also with friends. Yeah. But for me, Passover is usually with my family. Mm-hmm. And so I just love how, I don't know, everyone cooks and there's so much food and it's like a family thing. One of my favorite holidays is definitely Passover. Love that. And just because my mom always hosted Sukkot. You're claiming all the holidays. I know. I just <laughs> love them all. I'm like a huge holiday. I'm a huge Jewish holiday You're person. You're claiming all the holidays. I am so sorry. I, 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 I left Hanukkah out 
just because I was like, I can't, I need to make this list shorter. So this is the shortest I could do. That's good. It was a really good list. Yeah, I love Sukkot, honestly, just because my mom, um, my mom always hosted. So I don't know if it's me liking, like, I don't like hosting Passover. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I don't like hosting it. I love cooking for it. I would always host Shavuot, mm -hmm. always host Mimona. And Sukkot, I'm willing to co-host. <laughs> well, there's multiple days of it, so you could share. True. Yeah. I'm talking about, like, the first night. Okay. Okay. Like, the holiday night. I understand. But just, see, well, luckily you're in America now, so there's two holiday nights. For Sukkot, too? Yeah. Oh, I did not do Sukkot uh, right this year. Oh, no. Yeah, there are two holiday nights, oh, so you're good. Oh, no. Can, can we do it now? <laughs> I kind of missed it. Um... It did snow the other day, so you're welcome. Like, live your truth and, like, go sit outside if you would like to. I will wave at you. Okay. Yes. That, that's what well, I Well, I totally did Sukkot wrong this year. I need to learn how to there is no wrong. do American holidays. You did it Israelily. Wait, so you do all holidays twice? Mm hmm So, I mean, I know that if you're not in Israel, right. you're supposed to do. I knew about Passover. I'm we so, do too. I'm so bad. You're I'm, fine. I'm there, such an Israeli. We discussed how there's no such thing as a bad Jew. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just like I'm. I feel like a, a true Israeli. I did not know this. That's okay. And I hope that hopefully I'm not the only one that didn't know this. You're like, as welcome, as everyone else who we just informed. I'm sure the Jews that don't, don't live in Israel know this. Just, I mean, I grew up with one holiday. Nope. We all we always add. I'm not complaining. Yeah. Two of each. Wait. Question. Ready. What if you have like a second holiday? You know how some holidays you have. That's also the two. Second holiday. Yeah. No, that's also two. So you have like four. Yeah, have four. Holiday dinners. Mm -hmm. If you have two. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we keep the party going. That's why Americans eat a lot. <laughs> like all Jews, you mean? I mean, yeah. Yes, but like we have the Jew and the American. It's just like. Have you noticed that it's all about food with us? It's all. I mean. I love it. It's all about food. I love it. I love it. It's all about food. Are other religions all about food? I hope so. Like it feels like they sh everyone should be. I mean, Christians don't have a lot of holidays, right? I mean, I feel like they have a lot. I don't know what the food things are. I feel I'm, like Judaism has the most holidays out of all religions. I don't know. I think like Islam, like maybe it's more condensed, but I think, you know, every night for like the month of Ramadan, like you have a family dinner when you're done fasting for the day. That's so true. maybe it's like if you have it for 30 days in a row, whereas ours just like every month throughout the year, we kind of drop. That's true. If you put that together right, with like, the amount of holidays that we have, it comes together. I just felt like we have a lot of food. Yeah. Also, I feel like we have a lot of holidays that have a food-based ritual around them. <laughs> I, and, like, I can't speak to other religions because I'm sadly ignorant. But, like, almost every single Jewish holiday, there is an accompanying, like, specific food or way that it has to be prepared or thing that makes it unique. And I think that's what makes it feel like, oh, my God, there's always, like, a new food challenge. And you know what's fun about living in the States? No. That you also get more holidays because, like, you get Thanksgiving. This is true. This right? is true. Well, also in Canada. They have their own Thanksgiving. Shout and, out. Uh, yeah. And, like, you get also Independence Day in Israel, which is not Jewish. And right. then here you get Fourth of July. Right. And, bo and both do have barbecue I theme, know. So that is exciting. So that's more food. Yeah. No, food is great. Yeah. <laughs> Just, like, really pro-food. Give me the food. And then you have Christmas 
where you it's a mitzvah to eat um, Chinese, Chinese food. food. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, I'm, I didn't really mean that it's a mitzvah. <laughs> Just kidding about that. I totally learned that you eat Chinese food as Amer as like American, American Jews. Jews. Love it. It's great. And you go to a movie in a non-COVID world. I know. And this year, my, the family was talking about what are we going to do? I mean, we can't go to you our... You can still watch a movie. No. So we usually go to a Chinese restaurant. Um, you like can order takeout. So that's what we decided yeah. to do. We're still going to continue the tradition. Of course. Just order takeout. As it should be. Yeah. I love it. That sounds great. And yes, I do have a non-Jewish boyfriend, but sadly... The one year I can have an actual Christmas dinner and experience it mm -hmm. for the first time, because I've been dying to know how it is, he's working. <laughs> Damn. Do you get a stocking? I don't think so. Oh. Well, I want a stocking. So because, because this is now going to be a, a, a two-religion house, um, we are putting up a Christmas tree. Fun. Can I help decorate? Wait, wait. Listen to this. Dan's idea to put a, a Star of David tree topper. And the whole, and like we found What these, a mush. We found like a Jewish Santa Claus, like ornament. We found so many things that involve both religions. I think it's, I think it's going to be amazing. And his mom is giving us her Christmas tree. So I don't think I'm going to get a stocking unless I make it myself. Okay. So... I know that you host a lot. I do. Because I'm always invited. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is true. So I'm interested to know if there's something that challenges you. Okay, I have a few things. My, ho my top hosting challenges, well, the first one is I feel like I take the, uh, like there's always room for one more a little too extremely because there has definitely been more than one time that I've been like, I don't even remember who I invited, um, which is always fun to see like, who's going to show up? Who knows? But in all seriousness, I think my biggest hosting challenges are first, I always want to make sure I have a good dynamic for the people that I invite. I'm like very intentional about who I invite when and who I invite with who. And especially if I wanna introduce somebody new into a group, like who's gonna be just a great companion to pair them with. So my, my mom does that. Yeah, so yeah. I always wanna have the right mix of people around a table. I can see that, that's, um, that's good. That's like, that's like a, that's talking from a good, good host perspective. Like good for you. And then my other thing. I couldn't is, care less. Just put everyone together, deal with no, it. No, I'm always intentional. <laughs> and then my other thing is that um, I always plan my menu and I know exactly what I'm making. And then approximately 20 minutes before everyone arrives, I freak out and decide I don't have enough food and like insist on adding something else. <laughs> um, and I always have, when I say excessive amounts of leftovers, like oh, I've never seen. once not had enough food, but always there's the exact perfectly planned menu and then like the random thing that I'm just like oh my god it's gonna make me feel so much better just to have another dish on the table so your challenge is just being very Jewish and always being afraid there's not enough <laughs> my challenge is like being ridiculous I think every Jewish mama goes through this like so those not are, enough right so like those are I feel like my my bigger challenges um and then like I, I always feel like there are little things, you know, I, if I'm inviting a specific amount of people, especially now during the pandemic, all summer, I was hosting my um, pod outside. 
um, that we have a few other couples that we hang out with and we decided that like our comfort level was to sit outside. I feel with... so honored. You should. Because I was invited <laughs> to that. Oh my God, obviously. But our comfort level was to sit I outside. I will shed a tear for this. <laughs> with other people, but like a certain number of people. So then it became like awkward to invite like I would invite, you know, the first couple, see if they could come, then add a second one. Cause I like, this was the first time because we had to keep small numbers. Usually I would just kind of throw out extra invitations no matter what. And I had to learn to be comfy with small numbers of like, it's us and one other couple. It's going to be okay. But like, I have, to, have to say, this. when you hosted outside, you also made it very comfortable for everyone to still be together and yet we sat so far apart i tried so each couple like, had their own zone you right. did it in a very perfect for covid <laughs> um way as long as the season the season the weather allowed it yeah now that's over yeah. um <laughs> that's gone but tried so yeah those are my my things i feel you i feel you i think um which this is probably going to annoy you that i'm gonna say but one of my challenges this is going to annoy you. I'm ready. Prepa are you prepared? No. I don't have, I don't feel like I have enough room on the table for everything that I make. So you freak That's... out that you don't have enough. I freak out because I have too much. I understand that though. When we used to host, like, so in our apartment in DC, before we moved here and got a dining room table, the only table I had to host people at was a folding table <laughs> and like, and like a skinny folding table, like not a good one. And like a small round, like breakfast table that the two of us would sit at. And people like, people push back on me is all I can say because I would overload it with so much food that it was like, there is no room for our plates because of how much food you've put. And, and there's always I, the thought of doing a buffet. Well, and I don't like buffets. But that's, that's the same problem I have. I hate buffets. I mean, I can respect it when it's like a big holiday, but hosting people and having a buffet is annoying. I don't like buffets. I like to serve, like I, yes. like with the soup, I want to serve it. Like I have courses. I feel you. And also, especially with COVID, I'm like assuming that one of the things that's not coming back is like the buffet. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Any community food right, is I feel like done. <laughs> like, okay, I just want to say, I don't know what the algorithm is right now, but I keep getting um, like things on Pinterest for like variations on um, charcuterie boards. So like the, oh, uh, like communal nacho table or um, where like you add all the different toppings or here's how to do like a communal hot chocolate display. And I'm like- So everything that does not work during COVID. None of this works. I'm like- Not helpful, not we, helpful. Like, I, I was like, when will we ever be in a place again where it'd be like, yeah, let's share nachos. Like, will that come? I hope so because I love sharing food with people and didn't realize it was gross up until, you know, COVID. March. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think that people have, Hooks, okay, like did their own spin yeah. on things. So now you learn how to do these like personal things, like yes. personal nachos and like different bowls. Yes. You can still have the nachos and then you still have your own, it's like your own. So there are ways, people are getting very creative. Yes, people are very creative and thank you to everyone who's creative and shares it on social media because I'm not creative, but I see other people's <laughs> stuff and I'm like, could steal that. Okay, so room on the table was one is okay. one of my challenges. One of your challenges. And the second one has to do with moving from Israel to here. Okay. So a traditional like Shabbat dinner that we would have at home would be 
around like 13 different salads on mm -hmm. the table in like little plates. Salatim. Exactly. So you would have like two or three of each one spread around the table. So, right. everyone so it's not just salads. It's like dips and like olives, like all of the yes. kind of first course foods. Exactly. The best ones. And then that's on the table while you do like the kiddish. Mm -hmm. And then first course is usually like a spicy fish. Mm -hmm. So when I first moved here, we did Shabbat dinners or holidays right. with a family. And I would have that. No one would eat them. I can say, so So Passover, not la not this Passover because 2020, COVID, thank you. But um, Passover 2019, okay. I made, ooh, I made like 13, around 13 different salads. That sounds great. And I had them spread out. There were like five of each on mm -hmm. the table for everyone to eat. Mm -hmm. And I put so much work of into course. it. Barely got touched. Like, they just didn't understand the concept of just like, you know, putting a little bit of each on your plate just because salad here is usually served just in a big bowl. Right. And they didn't understand the concept. So that's something I had to sort of change. It feels like a natural instinct of like you've put food options in front of But me. you see, you live in Israel. I know, I understand. So you sort of get the concept and explaining it to people that... I'm also just a horribly impolite person, which <laughs> like factors in. But it is a concept that I've never thought about how Americans are not used to it. And that's it true. does come across as being a little rude, like having all the small plates. In Israel, you were just put your fork in it and just like... Put the bread straight in. Well, I guess not at the Seder, but put the matzah straight into it. Like usually you'd be sharing like one of the small ones, like maybe one or two other people right. that are right next to you because you have enough of those spread out. So you don't have to think about it. It's, it's sort of like a communi community right. table, I guess. So that's something I had to... Learn. Okay. Uh, learn not to make. Um, and also the first course usually would be like a spicy fish. Mm-hmm. Also, something that I had to explain to Americans. The fish course. The We're fish so uncultured. Course. It's not that you're, it's not uncultured. No, I, I won't say that. It's, it's like, I mean, usually fish here would be a main course. Like right. you would make a big salmon or right. something like that. And also, not a lot of people eat spicy food, at least not in my... Right, no, that's true. At least not in my friends. <laughs> we have to find more of those. But also, I found courses, like... My friends, when I host now, they ask me to prep them at the beginning of the meal for how many things are coming out. Because since I overdo it all the time, um, I got the feedback of like, I would have not overstuffed myself on this had I known how much was coming. So when I, I always do soup because I love soup, any season, any weather, like there I should agree. always be soup. It's not only for winter. No, it's all year food. Yes. And so whenever I bring out the soup, I also announce how many other things are coming. So the guys, there's eight more plates coming. Um, <laughs> pace yourselves accordingly. And everyone seems to really appreciate like the warning of how much is so I do that too. When I host, I do say, you know, without being asked, I say like, don't eat too much of this. There's this, this, and this coming out. So just know. And there's also dessert. Like I prepare people. Right. But that's because every time I go to someone's house and I'm not prepared, I don't know if I'm going to go, if I'm going to leave hungry. Right. Or okay. completely full where I cannot eat anymore. I would like to circle back for a second. Okay. Because... I don't think I asked you. I think I'm the only one who answered, like, what's your favorite holiday to host? 
And I don't think I, I actually asked you That's back. Okay. That's What's okay. your favorite holiday to host? My favorite holiday. So Shabbat, I feel like goes without saying, like because I like the regularity of hosting. Yes. I love hosting Sukkot. I think Sukkot is so much fun. This both is why your my mom, mom loves you. Right, no, like both because of your mom, Ovs, um, and I feel a kindred spirit with her. Yes, yes. But also because I think especially for people who don't necessarily have their own sukkah, and like in America, it's not necessarily as common for like particularly non-Orthodox Jews to have one. It's not. It's so fun to be able to invite someone on a weeknight potentially like you it's not just a weekend thing to eat outside and like we started a tradition when we started making our own where every year we pick um a decoration or like a sukkah ornament and we have everyone who comes in sign it um and it has and it represents like something that happened in our lives that year so like the first year that we moved to Ohio, we got like this wooden thing in the shape of Ohio and every single person we hosted that year autographed it. And then this year we got a wooden sign that said, don't forget to wear your mask because 2020. Um, and the limited people who were invited in this time also like sign that one. So I think it's just, it's a fun interactive holiday and people often seem so just like, charmed by it because that, not many people know right because not everyone well, like necessarily they know it but they haven't been invited well, to an actual like, soup and also again there's like less competition i feel like the seder like people you know they have what they're doing or they have what they hope to be doing or like there's a set expectation whereas sukkot like i can kind of play and make it my own and like I know my different audiences, so there will be times where I'm hosting like my regular like nice Shabbat dinner in the sukkah, and then there are other times where it's like we're all adults here, there are no children present. We will be having a graham cracker sukkah building competition right now, and like that's your <laughs> dessert, um, and prizes are given. I think I missed that one. Where was I? Uh, do you want to know where you were? No. Okay. Where you, was I? Remember the t night that I invited you into the sukkah this year, and you texted me like. Was that An hour again? before or something saying, I'm sorry, I can't come. Was that at work? I don't know. I think it was like the one thing I missed, I was called back to, to work. Yeah, don't ask. It's fair. Anyway, so moving on. Um, all right, well, you started talking about some of your hosting tips, though, because we talked about our challenges, and then you were talking about, um, you know, the things that you've learned in terms of pacing the meal and whatever. Do you have any other hosting tips you want to share? So many tips. So many tips. <laughs> She's a pastry chef. <laughs> so the first one, you sort of talked, you talked about how you freak out, not just like thinking that you don't have enough food. And I, I thought that when you mentioned that you were going towards this specific thing and I was like oh she does this and then you didn't say it what, what do I do so this is something I actually learned from my mom okay my mom every time she hosts she has she first she you know how you make out a menu yes and you sort of decide what you're gonna cook yes okay so my mom writes it out on a piece of paper mm -hmm. first course second course whatever she Love decides paper. to do includes the challah the dessert like anything that goes with the meal mm -hmm. and then she puts that list on the fridge oh and, the, and okay, now the funny story about this. Oh God. Yeah, so my mom, even though she is so good at, and I think it's a great tip to just have a list out and you can go through it, not miss anything. So my mom would always do that. Always, every Shabbat dinner, every single Shabbat dinner, she did exactly the same thing. She would go over her list, 
say, oh good, I put everything out. We would finish eating, everyone would finish dessert, everyone would leave. My mom would open up the fridge to put like stuff back in. Oh no, I forgot the salad. Oh, I have done. <laughs> every single Shabbat. Okay, I don't do that every week, salad. but I have done that. And she went over her list, but I still think it's a good tip to go over the list. Go over your list. Have a list on the fridge while you're hosting. Just don't forget the salad in the fridge. Um, second tip, I think, this is something I learned from Marguerite and Benji. The shout out. Shout out again. I learned this from them and I, I have been doing it since, every mm -hmm. time I host. Have a bowl with nuts and stuff on the table. Pre-COVID guys, pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, <laughs> maybe now you can make like personal bowls. If you Give them little like, um, what's it called? Like cupcake holders. Yes, I mean, I don't think people are hosting as much, but at least if you're hosting your family, I right. guess the media family. Whatever people are comfy with. But um, Marguerite would always have a bowl with nuts, you know, mm -hmm. different cashews, dried cranberries, mm -hmm. whatever, for us to like nibble on before dinner. Because sometimes you invite someone and they're late. Israelis. Ah, who is that person that is always I have late? a friend like this. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> My friend like that is awesome. <laughs> and her name is Yell. <laughs> She's maybe the co-host of a podcast. <laughs> never late, never late. <laughs> you weren't late today. I wasn't. No, you were great. And actually, when it comes to Shabbat dinners, I really, really, I try my you're best. Good. You're good. I really try my best to not be late. I know, I no idea, but some, I can't make it on time ever. But um, she tries. She I really tries. do. I really do. <laughs> but um, so she has it because sometimes mm -hmm. I don't know you're waiting for someone yeah. and someone takes a little longer than other people and sometimes people show up at your house starving. Absolutely. Because they knew they'll be invited to your house and because they know you're such a great cook, Samantha. Of course, of course. They wait. Such problems. But like, if if I'm invited over to your house, I would usually not eat lunch that day. <laughs> Because I know I'm going to eat so much good food. I don't want to. Well, that's why the extra dish always comes in handy. I just don't want to, like, you know, take up space in my belly. I know that you're going to make all this that's great so food. Funny. So I just, you know, don't. I skip lunch okay. on days that I know that I'm coming over. Nice. So having, like, a bowl of nuts or something for people to nibble on yeah. is a great way to keep people Agreed. from starving <laughs> before. I love people not starving. <laughs> yes. But I like that. <laughs> One of the things that I always really like to do, and I think is a good tip, is I over explain and announce everything that comes to the table. And I get it from my mom. And I always used to make fun of her of like, she would bring an Israeli salad to the table. It's literally chopped up cucumbers and tomatoes with olive oil. And like, she would announce this is an Israeli salad. My and it would be to that. like the five of us who are immediate <laughs> family. I'm like, we all know. But ever since I started hosting, it's one of the things where I'm like, wow, I'm so my mom. And she was so wise. And I didn't realize until adulthood. So is it um, a mom thing? Because my mom does that. No, too. I do it now too. For me, it's, I know for like the people who are closest to me, what their food preferences are. I know who has allergies. I know obviously that my husband's a vegetarian. I know who has like really extreme food feelings, but I don't know who likes what. And also I realized when I've gone to like other people's houses, especially in a pre-COVID world, when I would have like 12, 14 people, like I'd have a lot of guests. If I didn't make the announcement and I put 
the fish at like one end of the table, the other end of the table might not even know like what's there and it's awkward to like have your guests like get up and look and not every platter is like easily passed. So every time I bring anything into the dining room, I announce it. I'm just like, I, I mean, not like stopping the conversation, but hey guys, this is what this is. These are the key kind of ingredients. So that way if someone, like whether it's they're a picky eater or they have an allergy that they didn't disclose or whatever it is, everyone just kind of knows and then they can decide, I wanna angle for that or whatever it is, but like in case not everything's getting passed, like I remember sitting at somebody's table um, eating my whole meal and being like, okay, like it was whatever and realizing there were all these dishes that just never made it to my end afterwards. So I am a big fan of announcing what's there so people can adapt accordingly. I love that. And on that note, I want to add like what's important for someone to know when they're being hosted okay. and have the first thing on that list be pass the dishes around. Preach. <laughs> I hate when people that I don't know right. are sitting at the table with me and I'm like embarrassed to ask them, can, can you pass the broccoli? Could you keep moving people? Can you, can you, I see those Brussels sprouts there. Can you like pass them over? The yes, other I love thing, Brussels sprouts. I love Brussels sprouts. <laughs> the other thing that I would say to guests is you are helping the host when you overshare as well. Like I have been so upset when someone will like come to my house and it might be the first time, it might be like the first time that they're, you know, just coming for a different kind of meal. And like, I had no idea that you had allergies or were, you know, like had some kind of dietary restriction. And the person will like very sweetly say, oh, like I didn't want to be a bother. I'm like, the bother is that you didn't tell me. And now I feel and bad. Well, also just like now, like I could have so easily pivoted and adapted accordingly. Like again, Noam's a vegetarian. One of our closest friends has a list of allergies that is so absurd. I've actually sent it to people to make fun of him behind his back. <laughs> but I don't know how how behind his back his back it is right now. Oh, he knows. He knows. <laughs> but like I've sent it to make fun of him. But still, I know what to make. Then, like I'm able as the host to plan accordingly. And if I invite you, like it, I've already demonstrated, it's not a burden. I want you to come, I want you to have a good time. Obviously, if like there's something where you're afraid of cross-contamination and you wanna like bring your own food because it's that big of a deal, just do it and I respect your choice. Like if there's a real medical thing, but if someone like, I mean, at one point someone came to my house and like, we, it was like an Italian night. So like I had made a lasagna and I always have a salad and I don't whatever. And she just like casually tells me afterwards, yeah, like I, you know, I didn't want to like be uh, a burden. Um, I don't like tomatoes. And I'm just like, well, if you had said that before, it wouldn't have been Italian night. Like it wouldn't have been a big deal. But I feel like when you're a guest, help the host help you and just like be upfront about it because I might not always remember to ask, do you have anything? But if you tell me, like I am on that. I think it's like worse finding out that you have nothing for this person exactly. to eat. Exactly. And also there's an, if you are being hosted and you do have these dietary restrictions right. or things that you really dislike, there's a nice way to mention it. Like you can say, I'm really sorry. I don't mean to be a burden. Right. I just think I should give you a heads up. I'm allergic to right. whatever. whatever it is. And or I don't like eating this and I, I'm sorry. Like I can actually bring my own stuff if it's, 
if it's too much, I don't want to be a burden on you. Like, there's a nice way to say it. I'm Absolutely. probably not wording it the right no, way. No, but, but I think there are so many ways. And I think and people rise to the way. occasion. Like, when I went keto, my friends have, like, they've just embraced it. And it's fine. And it's, like, nothing that, you know, ruins it for everyone else. Except but, for me. I forget. But I promise that when I host you, I will have keto-friendly stuff. I promise. You're fine. You're just fine. But I think, like, the keto thing or... Um, especially again, when you're being hosted, if you have a dietary thing, if you're asked like to contribute something to the meal, bring something you'll eat. Um, because like, you know, I, I, I didn't list this in my hosting challenges, but I probably should have. I know to ask people, like I can ask people to bring drinks. I ask you to bring desserts and or like challah, like little things. But I very rarely like ask people to really contribute to the meal. Like a main dish. Yeah, yeah. like that's not my style. But one of my closest friends, like her thing is like she always, when she hosts, she makes the main and she makes the desserts. And then she'll say someone appetizers, fruit, salad, drinks, like, and the rest of us kind of just like get to pick our own thing. So when I went keto, like usually I had been like the fruit person because I would just like stop at the grocery store on the way cause I'm lazy. Um, but when I went keto, I started doing appetizers because then I always knew like, I've gotten something in that I know I'll eat. And then everyone else was like, of course, super generous. So it wasn't um, a big deal. But That's yeah, sweet. like do like bring your own uh, stuff when you can incorporate it. And also on that note, if if you ask, if you are being hosted and you ask someone, mm -hmm. what can I bring? And they say nothing. Don't show up with nothing. You can bring, you can always contribute wine. Usually people are always happy to-, to flowers, flowers, like if that's not your- um, A box of chocolates. Like there's always something that you can bring to the host to say, thank you for having me. Cause it's not, like not everyone likes to host. I usually <laughs> bring um, whimsically themed dog treats. For the dog. For the dog. I like when people say like I don't. <laughs> I mean, very on brand. But like, if anyone ever like, I cannot wait to host you. <laughs> like, I mean, I'll like if asked, I will bring stuff for humans too. I want to make that quite clear. But like, if people are like, oh, you don't have to bring anything. That's like, there's a dog in that house. That's who I'm here for. Love it. And I bring the dogs. I cookies. have to say that when people bring <laughs> stuff for my dog, like when I had the Hanukkah party mm -hmm. last year, and people brought. Hanukkah treats and my friend got, one of my friends brought a chew toy that was shaped like a dreidel. We have that. But well, we had it, then they ripped it to shreds. Yeah, so it's still, mine is still upstairs. <laughs> but she, I mean, she brought it and I thought it was the most amazing thing because I would r much rather have a gift for Toto if I said don't bring anything. This, today, when I was at the dog bakery that I low-key hang out at, they have um, a mini Hanukkah display up. Obviously not as big as the Christmas section, but it's fine. But they have the chew toy. It's a shaped like a fish and it says gefilte on it. Oh my God. <laughs> that's like, that's really good for uh, Passover. Well, but I don't know if I could save it that long. Yeah, for but them. is it really a Hanukkah thing? No, but I think it was just like, here's a Jew thing. Like the other thing is like something that literally it's a bone that says Shalom on it. So like, I feel like that's just a one size fits all for Jewish holidays situation. It's cute that try though. It's, I appreciate the attempt. Yes. Um, I'm always a fan um, and I may or may not now own two fishes named Gefilte <laughs> for my dog's Hanukkah. May or may not. Like there's, a, I mean, 
I, I feel like the answer is actually I probably bought three, so I'd have a backup one just in case. <laughs> All right. Um, who is your dream Jewish guest that you would want to host? Mm. So that's a very hard question, and I have to say I have two. Okay. That's okay. The first one, I think, is more obvious than the second. What's the first one? Gal Gadot. I mean, come That's on. That's cool. She's just the cool Israeli I want to host. She's super... I feel like she would be your friend. I know, right? She just seems like a very cool, down-to-earth person. Plus, I really love everything that she has done for Israel the past few years. Mm -hmm. Like, ever since she became so big yeah. in Hollywood, I think she's done a lot of good for Israel. Yeah. I love that. Okay, I, I would sit next to her. And she just seems like a down-to-earth person. I mean, if you know a lot about her and who she married and, like, about mm -hmm. her life, she could easily be this, like, crazy snob. Absolutely. And I just... I don't know. I just... She gives off chill vibes. I think her parents raised her right, honestly. She just seems like a really good person, an interesting person, yeah. and down-to-earth, and yes, very chill. I, yeah, I think I, I love would that. love... I love that. That's a good one. I would love to host her. And my other, well, because we did say dream Jewish guest. All the dreams. So I picked someone that is not, uh, unfortunately, is not alive That's anymore. That's fine. That's fine. This is a dream meal. So uh, Joan Rivers. <laughs> Just because, I mean, so she's not chill at all. It. No, there is no chill in Joan. I think, I love that she's so... Outspo she was so outspoken. Absolutely. And she just said whatever was on her mind. And I just think it would have been a kick to have her at dinner. I love it. I would <laughs> I would sit next to her. Like, I would sit. I would probably sit next to her because I think we'd be friends. And then you and Gal Gadot could sit across the table because, like, you guys would be friends. And that dynamic, I think that would really work for me. Yes. Wait, what's yours? So I, the first thing that came to mind is um, Dan and Eugene Levy. Oh um, my God. How did I not think about Schitt's Creek? Um, first, yes. I love Schitt's Creek. And yes. I feel like that would just be a good time group of people. Um, so witty. I love like people. Everyone would just be funny. Yeah. And I just want everyone to be funny at all times. But also like, I feel like they're people who've used a platform of being funny to really like push for things that matter lgbtq rights like getting out the vote i mean just being so smart funny and creative and all of that and like I, and also i love that they're a father-son duo that like work together because then like i can invite my mom and like we could just be paired and and also i just want to say that because of the pandemic i really just want to invite like my immediate family um, <laughs> like I like all I was thinking about like different famous people and different like you know key figures in history. I'm just like, let's be real. I just like want my mommy. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'm willing to share for now. I know. I love your mommy too. And and I love her dog. Um I know, right? <laughs> I'm I'm all about the pub. But yeah, that would be my uh duo of the moment. I just thought about another one. Okay, who? I don't know if you're in on this with me or not. I'm always in. After seeing The Spy. Okay. I haven't Sasha seen Sasha Baron Cohen. I mean, Sasha Baron Cohen, yes. I have not seen The Spy. I will so it's give actually, the caveat. I know that he's mostly known for Borat. Yeah. But in The Spy, he plays Ellie Cohen. Right. Who, it's a true story about Ellie Cohen, the Israeli spy mm -hmm. um, that got captured in Damascus. Yeah. 
and he plays Ellie Cohn. He is such an amazing actor, mm -hmm. and I it's the first time I've seen him in a serious role. Loved it. Cool. He crushed it. He's amazing, and I think just, you know, he does have a lot of views also. Yeah. He's very outspoken about what he believes in. So I just, I don't know. I think he also had a very interesting life. Yeah. I think he'd be so cool to you with. I would just be nervous. Like, is he filming me? <laughs> <laughs> the next Borat. Like, if I say something stupid, am I going to like. Also, like, he, he, he grew up in London. Yeah. Which is also cool because I don't know. I haven't had a lot of interaction with uh, with uh, Jews from, from London. Like, or from any other country except from. Mm -hmm. Um, Australia mm -hmm. and the States. Right, that's true. Yeah, so um, I just think that's like just one other perspective. That would be a cool one too. Yeah. This is a good table. We should right? make that happen. Just have everyone, well, yeah. except from Joan Rivers. Joan, but all the, shout out. All the, all the ones who are alive. The spirit of Joan Rivers will be <laughs> at this random table and I am here for that. I'm sure there are so many more like other celebrities, Jewish celebrities that we That's could, who speaks to us. It's a very long, long list of probably a lot of very cool people. But these are just the people. This that is who we're to. here for, and right? that's we love it. We're yeah. very authentic to ourselves. <laughs> um, on that note, this has been lovely. This has been amazing. I had the best time with you. Would you like to take us out? I would love to. Thank you all for listening to another episode of How Do You Jew. Um, we've been so excited to have you here, and just want to remind you of all the ways that you can get in touch with us. First, please subscribe. Um, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else that you find your podcast so you never miss an episode. Um, please, while you're subscribing, click another button. Give us a five-star uh, rating or review. Um, it really helps other people find us and spreads the word about our amazing selves. Um, you can also reach us on Instagram at HowDoYouJewPod, on our website, HowDoYouJewPod.com, or you can email us with thoughts, episode ideas, and all things Jewy at HowDoYouJewPod at gmail.com. All of those are H-O-W-D-O-Y-O-U-J-E-W. Thank you so much. Until next time, happy Jewing! <laughs>